would to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. Today, I'll be honest with you, is going to be a different kind of message. Um, not different in a bad way, uh, just different. Um, <clears throat> and it mainly because as we're working our way through the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians is a, is a different kind of a chapter. Uh, and you'll see why here in a minute. Um, but <clears throat> uh, we're going to be talking about this morning Bible prophecy. Uh, and Bible prophecy is something that um, I want to be careful how I say this. I don't spend a lot of time reading about Bible prophecy other than uh, other than the, the Bible. I don't spend time reading books and different things about it. Um, <clears throat> but Bible prophecy has been a challenge for believers for centuries. Uh, actually, since the very first century. Um, uh, Paul, the, the part of the reason why Paul wrote the, the, the book of 2 Thessalonians was to straighten out false doctrine concerning uh, the prophecy of the end times. Um, false teachers had come into the church at Thessalonica, and, and they had even gone as far as writing a letter and signing Paul's name to it to, to justify their false doctrine. And then Paul had to write this letter to to straighten out their false their false teachings that they had that they had heard. So <clears throat> hundreds, literally hundreds, probably into the thousands of books have been written predicting the date of the rapture. <clears throat> uh, and the only good thing that comes out of those books, is the money that the authors make in selling the books. Because every one of those books, as soon as the date rolls around that they have predicted, the book's no good. I, I, love, the, I love the ones that the, guy, the, 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 the theologians will write a book predicting a date, and then when the date comes and goes, they write a second book saying, oh, well, I got it wrong the first time, but I got it right this time. And people still buy them. <clears throat> it, it makes no sense to me. I, in fact, in in my research for the message this morning, I I don't know what I typed in, but I typed in some, and an article popped up. And I didn't read the article in, in total, but I I read s snippets of it. And the author of the article predicted the rapture, August twenty first. And everybody's like, oh, oh, 2017. <laughs> I think he got it wrong. But I just, I just skimmed the article, and, and it was really, it was, it, it was very convincing. I mean, he had charts and, and all kinds of stuff, and, and, and he, he had the Dow Industrial uh, and the charts and all the, all this stuff and astrological charts and all of these things to prove that it was going to be August 21st, 2017. I know. I, 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 to 37. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But the day and the hour knoweth no man. So if you, I could stop right here and just say, look, if you hear somebody predict the, the day of the rapture, turn them off, close the book, whatever you got to do, exit out of the website. It doesn't matter. He, he's an idiot. She's an idiot. Doesn't matter. No man knows. Okay, period. No, not the angels. The angels don't even know. It's not like they're going to slip up and tell. I mean, anyway. Um, but, the, but my father only. But as the day of no <clears throat> were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. <clears throat> so, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. Watch therefore. For ye know not what hour uh, your Lord doth come. Do we not have these verses, Chris? No. Did I not give them to you? Oh, man, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, well, my bad. Yeah, you, yeah, you're supposed to get this osmosis, you know. I mean, you know. So anyway, so anyway, I'm sorry about that. Um, so it brings it brings up the question, at least in my mind, it brings up the question: if if this information that God gives us about prophecy and so on and so forth, if we are not supposed to develop calendars and try and figure out when He's coming, then why does He give us this information? I believe that's part of it, is to give us hope. But I, I, my personal feeling is the, the two primary reasons that he gives us this is so that we are burdened for the lost and we become burdened to live right. Because the day, the day is at hand. And one of the one of the parables that Jesus gives is the <clears throat> he talks about the ma a master and his servants and while the master's away the servants kind of kind of play around and they you know they while the cat's away the mice will play kind of a thing and 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 then when the the master comes back he catches them not doing what they're supposed to be doing and it should it should create a burden within us. To live for God, because I'll be honest with you, I have thought this uh, in, in my life. I thought, you know, what if I'm partaking in a certain activity and the Lord comes back right when I'm doing this activity? Is he going to say, oh, hey, good job? Or is he going to say, what are you doing? Will I be ashamed or, or will I not be ashamed? See, these are questions that we should be asking us. So this morning, the title of my message, uh, again, if you're, Keeping notes. Did you get the? Okay, okay. <clears throat> uh, is God's timetable? God's timetable, uh, and it's not. It's not my timetable. It's God's timetable. Uh, and so, <clears throat> as introduction this morning, uh, I want to 
look at God's prophetic timetable. Uh, because I, I, I told you earlier, this is a little different kind of a message, but I think it's important because there is a lot of false information out there, especially if you hit the internet. Uh, in fact, I would really recommend just stick to the book, okay? <laughs> just stick to the book. Uh, if you go to the internet to get information on the rapture, uh, you're going to be inundated with garbage, I mean, there, there are some good teachers out there. I'm not saying everybody is, but you just, just stick to the book. Just stick to the book. So I have a, I have a little uh, 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 timeline for you here. Uh, I want to I kind of talk through this timeline. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I want to talk through this timeline here. This is just a basic timeline. Uh, you have <clears throat> um, letter A to C is the uh, pre-rapture and then the, the rapture of the church and so on and so forth. So I, I kind of want to talk through these different points here so that you, you kind of understand what the Bible says about the end times <clears throat> or the, the or prophecy. So the, the uh, point uh, letter A to C here is the pre-rapture, or uh, another way we would say it is the, the church age. It, it covers the time from the cross to the rapture of the church. Uh, it's the church age. It's, it, is, it is all the time from the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ to the rapture of the church. So <clears throat> the next step in the prophetic calendar would be letter C uh, or the rapture of the church. <clears throat> the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, verses uh, 16 and 17 uh, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so uh, shall <clears throat> we ever be with the Lord. So, going back to the chart, the next step in the prophetic calendar <clears throat> is the Bema. Now, the Bema, the, it, it, this is an interesting word. Uh, it, it's the Greek word Bema, which, which means judgment. Or uh, maybe you've heard uh, in different things, the, the Bema Seat of Christ. Some, some theologians will call it that. The Bema takes place <clears throat> sometime between letter C and E during the seven-year tribulation. Second uh, <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. It says... <clears throat> We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent with the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted uh, of him. <clears throat> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word judgment there is the word bema. That everyone may receive the things done in the body, according to that which he hath done, 
whether it be good or bad. So <clears throat> let's go back to the to the to the timeline. <clears throat> so question who is judged at the Bema seat of Christ? Christians are. How do we know that? Well, because only the raptured are going to be judged. Okay? Does, does that make sense? Now, <clears throat> okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So the, the next step in the prophetic chart here is the tribulation. Now, <clears throat> most people know that the, the tribulation is divided into two halves, three and a half years and three and a half years. <clears throat> the first three and a half years is relative peace on earth. What is the second three and a half years? It is just the opposite. It is literally hell on earth. It is it's going to be horrible. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. And then shall be great tribulation. So, <clears throat> so can we go back to the chart, Chris? I'm sorry. <clears throat> so you have the tribulation here. The first half of the tribulation is, is simply referred to as the tribulation. The second half of the tribulation is often return, referred to as the great tribulation. All of it falls under the category of the tribulation. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. And then shall be great tribulation, so as <clears throat> was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So the great tribulation, the second half, is going to be absolutely horrible, like the earth has never seen. Death and destruction, torture, the misery that's going to take place has never happened on the face of this earth. So then the next step in the prophetic calendar <clears throat> is the second coming of Christ. So question, when was the first coming of Christ? Okay, when he came and died for us. The, the rapture, he never comes back to earth. It says he stays in the air and he raptures the church out. So don't get confused here because this can be confusing. If you think that the, that the, that the <clears throat> first coming was the rapture, the first coming was when he was born in Bethlehem. That's the first coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ happens at the end of the tribulation. Okay, little theological, but it's important because if you read scripture and you don't understand that, it, it may not make sense. So <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 14. And I saw heavens open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon it uh, was called faithful and true, and and in the right and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as flame, <clears throat> were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had uh, a name written that no man no, knew, but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. 
and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Hey, we get to ride horses. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, those of you that don't don't like it, well, trust me, you will like horses, okay? Um, um, uh, Clothed with fine linen, uh, white and clean. So we have the second coming of Christ. Um, Can we go back to the chart? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll answer that later, okay? Talk to me later, and we'll talk about that. We don't have time to get into all that. Okay, so uh, then then you have in the the next uh, thing is the millennial reign. Uh, uh, This is the millennial kingdom, or the millennial reign, uh, is a period of a thousand years where Christ will reign on earth. He He will be on earth, and he will reign on earth, for a thousand years, uh, and you can uh, it, the the portion of scripture is way too long to read this morning. So Revelation chapter 20, if you're if you're interested in it, um, <clears throat> and then we come to the last judgment, letter G in our uh, timeline, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So. You have two judgments that we have talked about. You have the Bema Seat, which is for who? Christians. You have the last judgment, that is for who? Everyone else, or the unsaved. Okay? Then, finally, we have eternity. Yeah, talk to me later. Uh, and, and, and let me say this. This is a, just a snapshot, okay? One of the reasons I don't spend a lot of time on prophecy is because you can run so many rabbit trails. Well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? What a, you know what? I don't care about that. I want to live for Christ today. Okay? That's why I'm just giving you a snapshot. I, it, you know, <clears throat> and, and it's one of the reasons why, as a pastor, I kind of shy away from teaching on prophecy sometimes because it can just it's like pandora's box and and people people want to they you know what i'm going to say this multiple times through the message this morning why did god give us a prophetic calendar so that number one we'll tell people about jesus christ and that we will live right that's why he did it he didn't give us so that we can have theological arguments and, 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 and try and figure out the dates and all of the things that takes place. That's not why he did it. He wants us to live for him and have a passion for the lost. Because, because I'm telling you, the lost are going to go through this. And it's going to be horrible. Like the world has never seen. And if that doesn't break your heart to share the gospel, then there's something wrong with your heart. John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. 
and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Again, I, I, I want to emphasize, I, I just gave you just a, a, the, the, the basics, the basic prophetic calendar. You know, the, the, there's nothing. <laughs> I just scratched the surface. It could, you know, we, I could preach on this for, for months, literally. But I want you to understand the reason for the prophetic calendar. We all know lost people in this world that are facing a horrible, horrible future if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we have a job to do. We have a job to do. False teachings. Now, I mentioned earlier that ever since the first century church, there have been false teachings primarily about this particular subject. Why, why do you think that is? Anybody? Quickly. It's, it's uncomfortable. But how about this? If God can get us confused about the end times, will we not question the entire book? Or, or excuse me, Satan, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. Thank you, whoever, whoever straightened me out there, thank you. Uh, if Satan can get us confused about the end times, then will, will we not question the entire book? And, and then will we not have an urgency about telling others about Jesus Christ? See, Satan wants to confuse us about the important parts of Scripture, and this is this is important. We need to be careful, and I, I'm going to say this, and, and please keep it in context of what I'm talking about here. We need to be careful about what I call popular teaching. Stick to the book. Just stick to the book. And, and it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, if it's if it's prophecy or, or something else. It, it, if if somebody claims that they have a new revelation, guess what? <clears throat> it's not from the book. Re- all the revelation has been given to us. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon says. Just stick to the book. So point number one, and, and, and this morning, we're go, this is all you're going to get. It's point number one. Next, next week, maybe the week after, uh, you'll get point number two. <clears throat> so point number, point number one this morning is the rapture. <clears throat> Let's look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. It says, Now we beseech you, that, uh, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye may that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, uh, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, that <clears throat> the day 
shall not come except there come a falling away first and that men of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that in calling uh, excuse me that is called god or that is worshiped so that he as god sitteth in the temple of god showeth himself to be <coughs> excuse me that he is god remember that ye not remember ye not that when i was yet with you i told you these things and now ye know that uh, with withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way let's pray dear lord thank you for this day thank you for your love and lord as we look at this um, subject of the rapture i ask that you would give us clarity of thought and that you would help us to see and to know exactly exactly how much you love us It, it you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord, so often we can get caught up in the peripherals and chasing rabbits, if you would, and we forget to stop and realize just how much you do love us. That you love us so much that you you gave us a, a timeline, a map, if you would, a calendar, of the end times so that we would be able to recognize the end times. Help us, Lord. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I do want to say this, and this is not in my notes. This is just something just popped in my head. I want you to understand, I believe we are living in the end times. I I, I believe that with all my heart. There... As far as theologically, there's nothing else needs to happen before the rapture of the church. Everything has been, everything in, in prophecy has been fulfilled. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible. The word rapture is actually a Latin word that means to be carried off or to be snatched away. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 55 say this, Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <clears throat> now this is talking about the rapture. The word sleep here does not mean to lay down and go to sleep. It is referring to death. So what is Paul saying here? We, we will not all die, but we shall all be changed. That, that is talking about the rapture. <clears throat> um, 
uh, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the, at the last trump, uh, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise incorruptible, and we which are, uh, shall be changed from this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So then this corruption shall put, a, uh, put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Then uh, shall be brought to pass the writings that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? See, we have hope. If, if, if you know Jesus Christ this morning, you have hope. Because Christ has victory over, over, over death. When, when when we die, our our bodies die, but we, who we are, our spirits live on forever. And if we happen to be alive the day of the resurrection or the rapture, excuse me. If we if we happen to be alive the day of the rapture, guess what? Guess what you get? A new body. You're going to be changed. The rapture has two two phases to it. Okay, this is important. You get this. Um, the first phase we're going to talk about this morning is <clears throat> it is for those who have died in Christ. the The first phase is for the dead in Christ. First Thessalonians chapter four, in verse sixteen says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall raise first. Now this is going to be a sight. Could you imagine what what people are going to happen uh, to if, if you happen to be by a, a graveyard? It's going to be awesome. And if you're saved and you happen to see these graves popping open, you know, you're going to be going, hey, we're, let, take me too. But if you're an unsaved person, what do you think you're going to do? It's not going to be pretty. It's going to scare you to death. Now, I, now, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Those of you that know the Bible <clears throat> know that there's a story of uh, uh, Jesus raised a guy named Lazarus. What did he do? He went to the grave, to, to the to the cemetery, basically, and he said, "Lazarus, come forth," doesn't he? What What do you think would have happened if Jesus had just said, "Come forth"? <laughs> It would have been a show, okay? Just saying, just saying, okay? When Paul was writing the letter of 2 Thessalonians, <clears throat> again, he, he was answering questions. And one, one of the questions that he answer, was answering was, <clears throat> the, some of the Thessalonian believers 
who had been saved when Paul was in Thessalonica uh, had died. And the the believers that were still left were that were still there were thinking, oh no, they missed the rapture. They're not going to go to heaven. And so one of the reasons Paul was writing this was to let them know that, okay, hey, just because they have left this shell we call a body, they were still going to be part of the rapture. So the answer here is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those that have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or are dead in Jesus will God bring with him. So we have hope. Just because we are absent from this thing we call a body, we will always, always have hope. The unsaved, as he says here, have no hope. They have no hope. I love what the Philippian jailer asked Paul the night of the earthquake when the the prison bars were open and and all the prisoners could have fled the jail, but yet they stayed. The Philippian jailer came running into Paul and and he asked the question, he says, and and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. God will resurrect all believers who have died and give them glorified bodies. When I was in the Navy, I was always <clears throat> fascinated with a, a Navy tradition. And, and the, the Navy actually still does it today. They don't do it the same way. But as a sailor, a former Navy person, <clears throat> I can request, when I die, a burial at sea. Now, it used to be that they would take the body and wrap it, wrap it up and weight it down and then drop it in the ocean. <clears throat> but now they just, they'll only do it if you're cremated and they'll take your ashes and throw them overboard. But it is a a naval tradition. And what is interesting to me is the prayer that they say over the body before they throw it in the ocean. Well, they don't throw, they drop it in the ocean, I should say, okay. Very, very respectfully, okay. Um, But I wanted wanted to read you this prayer because I, I, I... have always found it to be very interesting. And when I get to a certain part of this, I'm going to overemphasize part of this prayer. Okay? It goes like this. We therefore commit the earthly remains of John Doe, 
uh, to the deep. Looking for the general resurrection of the last days and the life of the world to come through our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose second coming in glorious majesty to judge the world, the, the sea shall give up her dead. And the, and the corruptible body, this is where I want to emphasize, and the corruptible body, those who sleep in him shall be changed. For those who have died in Christ, the Navy will pray this prayer over the bodies of dead sailors. Yes. If it's requested, they will still do it. And made like unto his glorious body, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Amen. What an incredible prayer. You know where they get that prayer from? The Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. And the sea shall give up the dead which were in it, and the dead and hell delivered up to the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. At the day of at the day of the second coming of Christ, all the body parts are going to be put back together. That's an amazing thought. And we're going to be given glorious bodies. So the rapture uh, is for those who have died in Christ. Letter B, it is for the living. Second, uh, excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter four and verses uh, sixteen and seventeen. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. <clears throat> the rapture will involve an instantaneous transformation for believers on earth. I, uh, <clears throat> when I was first saved, I, my Sunday school teacher was a, a, a guy named Jim Reese. And Jim, Jim was a, uh, a master chief. Those of you, he was an uh, E-9. Okay, those of you that were in the military know what I'm talking about. He was an E-9, big guy. I mean, he probably 6'3", six, 6'4". And how he lived on a submarine, I, I don't know. But he, he weighed probably 230, 240 pounds, big, just a big guy. <clears throat> and he used to tell us in Sunday school, he's like, he's like, I really hope that when the rapture happens, I'm on a submarine under the water. He said, because I'm going to make a big hole in that submarine. <laughs> we will be instantly transformed and our bodies will be fit for eternity. 1 John chapter 3 in verse 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it doth not yet appear that that, what we shall be, 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Can you imagine a body with no pain? That would be an awesome thing. You know, I used to hear preachers say that when I was young, and I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) I get it now. A body with no pain. A life with no sorrow. Can you imagine that? How many of you have ever experienced sorrow in your life? We all have. Can you imagine a life with no sorrow? No physical challenges, no worry, no a, a, a perfect body. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, uh, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The rapture will be a glorious event. A glorious event. We will be free from sin. We'll be free from pain. We'll be free from sorrow. We will be in God's presence. God never intended for theologians to argue about dates, times, places of the rapture. The purpose of the rapture is so that we can encourage others with these words. So that we can share the gospel with people who need to hear the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the last point this morning is really a question that I get asked often. Letter C. Can someone be saved after the rapture? And there, again, there is a lot of debate on this one. But I, what did I say earlier? Let's go to the book. So the answer to that question is yes. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, and all nations, get this, all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues shall, uh, excuse me, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands. Now, who, who are all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues? Well, you answer Scripture with Scripture. Okay, just a few verses later, in Revelation 7, verse 14, it says this, And, and I, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, and he said unto me, These are they 
which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So this is a description of people saved in every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every people group that was saved during the tribulation, specifically the great tribulation. But we need to be careful because most conservative theologians that I've, every conservative theologian I've ever read believes that if a person rejects truth or rejects the Bible, this side of the rapture, they will not have a chance to be saved on the other side of the rapture. That's a sobering thought. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, who, who is this talking about? This is talking about the Antichrist. Okay? Verse 10. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Verse 11. And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should not be saved uh, that they should not believe excuse me that they shall uh, that they should believe a lie so basically what this is saying is those that have received the truth of the love of God that they've heard the gospel and they have rejected the gospel once the rapture happens they will not be able to be saved. Second uh, Thessalonians, chapter two, verses nine to eleven. Now, it never fails. Whenever I say this, somebody tells me, "What, Pastor? You mean you're telling me that?" My loved ones, if they... No, let's, let's just stop right there. It's not me. It's what the Bible says. It's the Word of God. So if nothing else, it should be a sobering reminder to us of our need to live for God. And our need to share the gospel with everybody that we can get a hold of. Why has God given us this information? So that we will have a burden for the lost and that we will have a burden to live a godly life so that the unsaved around us will see and know the love of God in our lives.
It's a sobering thought. Now, will there be people saved after the rapture? Absolutely. But we need to be careful. And we need to live our lives in such a way that people who have no hope can find hope. Share the gospel. Be willing to tell people what God's done in your life. It's God's timeline, not ours. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for